welcome to the first edition of Beyond a Doubt, the series of shows where I sit down with folks from all over the industry and talk to them about themselves, what's going on in the world, and we'll have some fun along the way. My first guest to kick off this series is one of my longest friends and colleagues in this industry. We work together side by side, or at least as side by side as you can be when there's a continent in between you, for years and years, and he's still holding down the fort at Pocket Now as COO. Jaime Rivera, welcome to the podcast. You, you should also say I'm your father at Scotch. <laughs> you're my you're my Jedi Master, not okay. father. Okay. There's a dis- there's a it's subtle the but important thing. difference. I, I mean, come on, the best <laughs> scene ever in Empire is that part. So you you could just you could just scream you could just scream no afterwards, and and it'll be canon. It'll be fine. No. <laughs> No, actually, you know what? I, I, I've, I, so that was in CES 2016 that we that we discovered that that we both had an affinity for Scotch, and you had much more of an affinity for it than I did. Um, <laughs> and but I've learned a lot since then. I will have you know. Oh, really? And and well, see, here's my problem. I tried to keep up with you, and that was the first mistake. Mistake. So Rookie. like, see. The rookie mistake is you got to know your limits. So if you and I were to sit down and with a bottle of scotch, you know, you'd drink a bunch of it, I would drink a bunch of it, and we would both be fine because neither one of us would go over our limit. So, um, or maybe a little over the limit, but that's where the fun starts. So, Dude, we need to go um, back to Vegas, man. We need to go back to Gillies. We do. Oh, Gillies. Oh, man, Gillies. Oh, that was such a, that was a place. So, <laughs> by the way, for, for everybody that doesn't understand context, uh, we spent like about a month over Adam Dow debating that he knew he would, you know, obliterate me drinking. And I was like, all right, you know, I, I, I just, I, <laughs> I, let, I don't I, remember being that cocky about it, but okay, you, I'll you take, were extremely yeah. cocky. And I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that brags. I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I just walk the talk. That's just my nature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then when we get there, uh, if you remember, you, you, you had to stay in my, you had to stay in my, we, we shared a hotel Your room. Hotel room. That, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. For like two nights. And I literally had to drag this guy out of the elevator. But I will have you know that I did match you shot for shot. Now, the effects afterwards were quite varied, but I did, at the time, match you shot for shot. And and then the following day, we get to the Airbnb where, where Michael and everybody else is, and this guy just falls flat on the couch. And we heard nothing of him for, for the next day. Oh, come on. You're now, Okay, now you're overstating just a little bit. <laughs> you know I'll have true. you... I'll have you know it's only a little true, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, I, so anyway, we're we're Scotch brothers, and I appreciate that. And actually, originally, yeah. when we uh, when we were gonna ha- do this on Tuesday, I was actually planning on doing this over a nice glass of Scotch. But um, I've got today, Scotch. I I know, but it's Thursday, and I need to drive other people's kids after I'm done with this, so I can't Good. do it. Uh, so worry. we like, could do this again. I don't mind. Absolutely. If it were my own kids, you know, whatever. I can break my own kids. I can't break other people's kids. That's that's, that's a good not, point. That's not a... So this is a tech podcast, and we should probably talk a little bit about tech. And actually, I we we discussed this very briefly off air, but I want to talk about this on air. I mentioned to you that I'm using a new um, MSI GL75 Leopard laptop that I picked up right um, right before Thanksgiving, actually, okay. um, and. The reason I was doing this, and I, I discuss this in detail on the podcast, so I'm going to rehash it. I'll give you give you the Reader's Digest version. Is 
Uh, my MacBook two, Pro 2015 kind of died, so I needed to get a replacement, like a replacement daily driver that I could do my job on. And I very seriously was looking at another MacBook. And then Apple had their event where they released all these new MacBooks, and they were all on the M1 chip. And I thought maybe maybe they'll still hang around with Intel for a little bit, but no, they did not. They absolutely cut the cord and said, we're on our own here. And I was like, crap. <laughs> because, <laughs> because here's the thing about getting a new MacBook is... If I got a new MacBook, that would replace my daily driver. This isn't like a Lenovo ThinkPad Full that I'm testing out. This isn't a, coincidentally, Lenovo 5G uh, compute laptop that I'm testing out for a review. This is something that I'm going to have to make work product with for several, several years. And I cannot take the chance that the M1 is going to fall short in any way. So... Um, with the help of uh, Cliff Thomas and Ryan St. Andrew, my former podcast partners from TechBeard, we quickly settled on this MSI, and so I got it. I love it. I'm happy with it. And you just mentioned that you're still using the uh, the MacBook, I believe it was a MacBook Air base model that you got for Pocket Now to review. So and, uh, I have And both. it's baller. I have both. Oh, you have both. Okay. So I have both. And, and just to give you an idea, uh, my son was using, uh, so my son edits the Pocket Now daily. He mm-hmm. was using a $3,200 15-inch MacBook Pro, so the higher-tier yeah. model not maxed out. Currently, we're podcasting, and I'm using a 16-inch MacBook Pro. That's the reason for this crappy camera, because um, hmm. I, I, I left the Brio in the office. Sorry. Um, but, okay, so the laptop that I'm, that I'm doing this podcast from is a $4,700 maxed out, 64 gig of RAM, added GPU, two terabyte of storage variant. Like literally, the only difference between my MacBook and Michael Fisher's MacBook is that he's got the eight terabytes, and I was like, that's too much. <laughs> it's like, Fisher. I would, fi- I would fill that up, but okay. That's, I was that's like, fair. Fisher, like seriously? <laughs> so yeah, so this is the two terabyte. Okay, I have, a, I have the base model 13-inch MacBook Pro. Literally, the $1,300. My son has the 999 MacBook Air, and I he's not going back. Like, okay, okay, so I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give you more more or less a perspective. Um, like from what I wrote in the script, because my video on the on like I was I've been so mind boggled by the M1 that I wasn't even willing to review the damn thing. Until I was willing to test it, and I have yeah. tested it on, I have tested it on seven back-to-back flights ever since it came out. Okay, and I have literally edited every single video on that MacBook, hmm. and I have been left with at least seventy percent of battery to spare. This is after editing the entire damn video. Hmm. This is okay. So I think that. What you need to understand about the M1 is you need to stop thinking about computers. You need to start thinking about iPads. This is probably the best analogy that I can give you. So in an iPad, if you're using LumaFusion or you're playing Angry Birds, yeah, I know, that thing still exists. And uh, (laughs) or if, if you're using Microsoft Word or email, you don't notice like you don't notice that one app draws more power than the other. Okay. You, don't, you don't notice any penalty if you're on an iPad. It'll just work. Same thing on Android, pretty much. Like, yeah. 
unless you're playing a game and that game keeps your screen on, like every single app will draw pretty much the same amount of power from your phone. Okay, okay. so the M1 behaves like that. Like, to the M1, it doesn't really matter if you're using Microsoft Word or Outlook or Final Cut Pro. The only thing that matters to the M1 is if you're using an optimized or a non-optimized app. With the Rosetta. The exactly. Rosetta and so okay. the only difference is that if you're using an optimized app, your battery will last you a day and a half. Whereas if you're not, then it'll last uh, like a regular MacBook. So the claims of Apple in the past where they were like, yeah, it'll last uh, seven to eight hours of battery life or 10 hours, those were bogus. It was more or less like five to six. And mm-hmm. if you were editing a video, it was more like an hour <laughs> okay, or two at most. Okay, dude, like I have, like I still can't believe it. Like I literally, like if Apple tried to create a paradigm shift, with, which is also part of my script, and I actually have it in front of me right now. If Apple tried to create a paradigm shift with the M1, sorry, with the iPad years ago, where they were like, people don't really need trucks, they need cars. You, you'll use a truck every now and then, but not always. And sure. they tried to create it, but they tried to change the way people approach computers, where they were like, you don't really need all this, and we're going to show you what you need, and we're going to give you an iPad. And, yeah. that, and that approach didn't work. It worked initially, and they sold well, but then people realized that you couldn't really do everything and they were priced almost like a computer. And yeah. so what they did was literally, okay, so if the approach didn't fit, work with the iPad, then why don't we do it with the Mac? And so, dude, I if I have if I have to recommend a laptop for you right now, I will tell okay. you, don't even buy the MacBook Pro. That's a waste of money. Buy the MacBook Air, man. If anything, get okay. more storage. Like, get more storage. Forget about the added GPUs. Forget about the extra RAM. Just get more storage. Like, that's one thing you will need. But yeah, then, sure. But then because everything is written for ARM, even the apps are smaller, dude. It's like, like I'm using the base 256-gigabyte model, and, dude, like, I, I, I don't need any more than that. Like... It's, it's, I think it's, a, I, for me, even if Apple didn't never really set it, I consider it more a paradigm shift in computing, where you will now have to not worry if you have discrete graphics or not, where in the past, you, if you wanted to edit video, your Mac had to be quad core. It, it's not that you had to, like, it, like, it would still open Final Cut and render a video. The problem is the, the difference between exporting a video in an hour and a half or doing so in three minutes. And sure, so, yeah. just to give you an idea... If I have to export a 10-minute 4K video on my 16-inch MacBook Pro, it'll probably take it around 7 to 8 minutes. If I mm-hmm. do it on the M1, it'll take 10 minutes. Which is nothing. I mean, there, it's, there's it's, no difference. That's, that's like an extra sip of your coffee. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so it's what I tell people. It's like, listen. By the way, this is a $4,700 MacBook. Right. So obviously, if I had a cheaper MacBook, the experience would be different. Much different, And yeah. so I'm like, like, I would, is, are those two minutes really worth $3,500? No. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> no. No, no. So, I mean, and, and that's, that's. I, I and like I said, I want to I want to because you're right up there with like every other reviewer that has reviewed this thing and saying it just flies, and and I'll just I'll tell you, man, I just couldn't take that risk, which is why I've got the the MSI laptop in front of me. Although if our if our stimulus check comes through, 
<laughs> we might be getting another a MacBook Air just to uh, just Dude, to kind of. It, it, and here's the thing, like. Um... Your MSI is fantastic. Like I have no mm-hmm. complaints about them. I love their work and their new like um, office kind of like computers. Like their 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 new design language, which is getting mm-hmm. slimmer. Like I love it. I love what they're doing. So I think you're in good hands. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. Well, I, this thing is a chunk though. It's a 17 inch. Like it weighs five pounds, and the battery, like the not the battery, the uh, it's an the, Adam the, Dowd computer. It's yeah, an Adam the brick, computer. The brick on the string adds another, you know, pound and a half to it. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like how this is going to be fun to carry around the streets of Las Vegas. I promise. You. There you go. So. But and so you know, listen. And I think that reviews were good from the perspective that they were really good about giving you benchmarks and giving you numbers. But I think that nobody, and not even Apple, did a good job at articulating the importance of what they just did. And so I remember when I sat down with David Kogan, and I highly recommend that you watch his real-world test of the MacBook Air, and then the sixteen, and then the thirteen-inch MacBook Pro with extra RAM, where he discovered that it was really not much of a difference unless you were doing certain specific things. Um, you know, my my words, Kogan was like, "No, I'm not going to spend money on that." I'm like, "Dude, okay." And there's like, but then the benchmarks, that, like, you don't understand. Forget about the damn benchmarks. Right. Forget about them. You're not comparing apples to apples. You are literally comparing. Try to think of it this way. You're not comparing apples to apples. This is not like comparing a gaming laptop to another gaming laptop. You're comparing a laptop to an iPad. It's mm-hmm. literally an iPad running another operating system with apps optimized for the damn iPad. And so right. because of that, it doesn't really matter what you do with the thing. It'll just work like mm-hmm. an iPad. <laughs> It just works. Like so. an iPad. And so it's funny because I just I didn't realize. I had no idea until the M1 came out when they announced it in, in, in June. I had no idea that PowerPC, the architecture, was ARM. I did not know. I didn't know that either. I did Today not know. I learned. I did not know that that Apple had to literally, and you know, even Steve Jobs said it. Like we're, we've been living a double life. Uh, we've been we've been, we've created a version of OS X for Intel. But mm-hmm. I didn't. I so I did not understand why is it. And, and, and you remember when when Steve Jobs came over and announced the iPhone, he was like, "iPhone runs OS 10," and I'm like, "Oh come on, that's like bragging." No, he was right. Like they like <laughs> OS 10 was made to run on ARM, <laughs> and that's that was fine. just the stripped down version of the of of a similar chip under the same architecture. So they had the operating system. They have literally had Mac OS on ARM. Since day one, pretty much, since hmm. OS X was born. And so literally all they did was update, you know, whatever things that had changed and everything. But right. it's it's literally, it's literally an iPad. That's what it is. The only difference is, again, this is an iPad that can run anything. Mm-hmm. And so what, what bad experiences have I had? And there's only one reason why I still use the 16-inch MacBook Pro. The first one is because the monitor that I have, which is my favorite gaming LG monitor, is not Thunderbolt. And so mm-hmm. because of that, I can't use it as a hub. And so I have an eGPU that's be, that's below the computer. And so I like to use it as a hub. And so this microphone, the monitor, everything, the key, the keyboard, everything is connected to the eGPU. And so the, the yeah. eGPU does not work on the M1. That's ah, one thing. Okay. The sec- so it's not modular. The second thing is there are certain of my graphics plugins and video editing that don't work yet. Mm, um, okay. And I, ha- I have a really close relationship with the developer, and he keeps me up to date as to what the status is. 
they're all going to be ported. He's just going on priorities based on what people use most. Right. Um, but, you know, and sorry. But you please. see, that's the that's exactly the use case that I'm talking about. What if there was something that, like, I need to do for, I don't think there is, but, like, what if there was something that I wanted to do that, like, it just wouldn't work on this? Now I'm stuck because I have an M1 and I either have to figure out a workaround or you know, go get some other secondary machine to do it on. My, so I, I, my experience is that yeah. unless they are specific plugins that connect to a certain app, like certain Chrome plugins, for example, which, mm-hmm. but now Chrome has been updated to support the M1, so Chrome is no longer on the list. Unless right. you require certain graphic extensive plugins on, on Final Cut Pro, dude, like, dude, if you watch David Kogan's video, he tested uh, DaVinci Resolve. He tested, um, what's the name of this, um, Premiere Pro. Like, Premiere my Pro. son my son uses Photoshop every day to build the thumbnail for the daily. He uses okay. Photoshop every... And so, the only difference with applications... Again, notice, I'm not talking plugins. Plugins is a different story. But yeah. applications will automatically run through Rosetta, whereas the plugins don't. Right. The plugins have to be optimized. And so, right. so long as it's an application, it'll literally apply Rosetta the moment that you um, activate the app. Yeah. And okay. so, dude, like, my advice, like, if I, if I had a friend right now like you that is really on the ropes, I'll be like, don't waste your money on the Pro. I'd even wait for the 16-inch whenever that comes to town. Yeah, that, I mean, that could be... You know, any week at this point, they're but talking he, about doing another another event sometime in like what he, was it March? I but think? here's the thing, Adam. I just want you to yeah. think about the possibility of having the potential that you you've known the MacBook Pros that we've bought forever. Like, just imagine having the potential of a five thousand dollar laptop on a twelve hundred dollar computer. Oh yeah. Oh, trust me. I'm 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 imagining that. I would love. I would love to have that. I just I didn't I didn't want to bet the farm on a first gen software on first gen hardware. <laughs> Which is all. the reason why I went for the cheapest ones. I'm like, well, I'm going to review nice. them, and and I'm I'm sure that they're most likely going to be like, nah, you know, and it's all going to be marketing BS, and that's just going to be it. And then I try the day. I remember the first export that we did with Diego, and and for the daily, and I'm like, yeah, just give it a try. I mean, but just do it on the SSD in case anything goes wrong. Then you could just switch yeah. to the other laptop. And so Diego yeah. does the export and everything, and then we see the export meter go, <laughs> and then we, <laughs> we 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 just see the bar like, and then yep. when, when you reach the like sixty percent after minute like five, woo. And I was it's like. It's like when you plug in like a fast charger into your phone and you can watch the percentage numbers just go up. I love that. So, I all think, right. So, I, I think it's like, I think that the best analogy I can give you is the comparison of a motor, of a regular motor car versus an electric car. They're completely different paradigms that achieve the same thing. They right. drive. The difference is you're like, how is it that this is not a Ferrari and it can reach zero to 60 in. In you know, in three seconds, and the yeah. reason is because there's no baggage, there's no engine, there's just it's a completely different approach to the same product. Right, right, and yeah, and and um, well, I mean, hopefully, I'll I'll get one in that I can review, and and then we can maybe circle back and compare notes. But I don't want this to be all about like you know M1. I just figured you know you were you were a really good person to talk about it because you know you've been. 
you know, you've been very high on this thing since day one. So high is the high is the perfect is the perfect word, right? <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about you because you know you're an interesting guy, and and you know I think uh, I think a lot of people would like to know a little bit more. Like I know you've told me the story, and it was a long time ago, and probably over a glass of scotch. But I wonder if maybe you could tell me, like, like kind of give me your origin story in the tech Whoa, space. You don't have enough like, time on a podcast. Well, give me the Reader's Digest version, because I know you used to work in, um, I, I, it was shipping, I think. I want to say it was either FedEx right. or UPS. All right, one of so two. I, so. born in Honduras, uh, I have, okay, so I guess that the biggest, the probably the easiest way to describe me is I had a very quick youth. Um, okay. And and the reason why is because I, I grew up in a town that was, you, you know, like, the gold rush in California or the vehicle rush in Detroit at some point, mm -hmm. the industrial revolution in New York. I was at the right place at the right time at the right age in my teenage years. And so I grew up from a, I grew up from a very poor family, but I was fortunate enough to, to grow up in the city that literally powered my entire country. Oh, okay. And so every single industry was there. And a lot of people emigrated to my city to find jobs there. And so, you know, my dad had a very successful hardware store. I worked with him since I was 12. Um, but because I was working since I was a kid, for me, it was really easy to get a job in an airline. And that was like my dream job because I love to travel. My grandmother and I traveled since I was a kid. Um, yeah. And I got a job in an airline when I was 18. But the funny part is this was before September 11th. This was literally two years before that. So it's okay. when airlines paid really well. So ah, I, okay. I, re I remember that my first job literally as a cargo handler, like loading bags on planes. I, dude, I was making four times minimum wage nice. at the time for a 17-year-old kid. And so by 18, I was customer service. And so, dude, I've been, I've been everything from a baggage handler to uh, literally I, I was an assistant constructor. I was an okay. assistant for woodwork. Like I, like I, I could walk anywhere and I could tell you what kind of woods on uh, the doors are made of or whatever. Like for me, that's the easiest thing. I worked in that for years in my summer times. Um, but then during that airline, I because I was at the right place at the right time, and the airline was acquiring other airlines. Um, mm -hmm. I was able to go from you know baggage handler to customer service to flight dispatcher to the supervisor to the boss to being the guy that would literally tell like I would my team was in charge of telling the airline what planes would do where they would fly what pilot what it, I was literally I was in charge of the we call it the CCOD it's like your system operations center we okay. and, and I was I was twenty <laughs> I was twenty at the time wow wow. Yeah, and so by the time that I that I got a, a you know I got promoted, did quality assurance, we certified a few airlines. Eventually, uh, I built seven procedures manuals. I used to be an instructor, uh, hazardous materials instructor, security instructor, flight dispatch instructor. Like I would certify people for the job. Yeah, yeah. And I was still twenty two. <laughs> 23. <laughs> and so by the time I started working in UPS, I was 26. Uh, and I was in charge of the country's operations pretty much. Uh, and so it's funny because, you know, we went through September 11th. The job market on air on passenger airlines declined heavily. Like, I remember like my my salary did not change for like for like four years. And that's the reason why I took the job at UPS. 
And so they would, and but then the cargo business grew exponentially. And but you have to okay. remember, this is the time when Amazon started becoming what it is, which right, right. now is a one point six trillion dollar company. Right. And so, and so I started working in UPS during that period. And so I again, we go back. I was at the right place at the right time. Definitely, definitely right place, right time for that. Right. right. And so during that during that period, I in UPS, I I learned another business, which was logistics. Uh, logistics okay. was was fantastic. I learned about supply chain, how to you know how companies sustain themselves. How like we had a very big operation. We had like my you don't even like it's hilarious because I, I was twenty six years old and my budget at UPS was thirteen million dollars a month. Jeez, <laughs> a month? A month? Wow, that is how much money the business makes. Good lord, dude! We were the largest operation in Latin America at the time, and again, I was. It was funny because I would go to all these places and I would train these people, and I was always the youngest guy in the room. Whereas oh, yeah. now in this business, I'm always the oldest guy in the room. Yep, yep. And I think you've got me by. So wait, were you? What year were you born? Uh, Seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Okay, so yeah, I'm still I'm still older than you. So there so you that's go. good. So that's good. So I take that burden off of you whenever we show up to <laughs> events together. So we we need to show up to more events together. But yeah, d- during that do. during that period of time in UPS. <laughs> You have to understand, I came from an airline where we would dispatch, it was 97 flights a day. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we went from 97 flights to five. <laughs> and yeah, okay. so I had a lot of spare time, a lot. Like I went there, I trained the team, I showed them how to work because they had a lot of issues. Um, I showed them how to work, got everything. And it took me about a year to like get the team to know how to do their job on their own and not have me intervene. Yeah. But then during that period of time, uh, that's when I started writing for Pocket Now in my spare time. Because, you know, it was the, the reason why I started with, you know, mobile technology was because of Pocket PCs. Um, yeah. I, there was the specific air, aircraft that we would dispatch in, in, um, in, in the first airline that I worked for, the Cessna 208, which is a very famous cargo aircraft for FedEx. It's a small single engine, um, uh, but it, it's a two it's a two pa- it's a two pilot uh, for passenger, one pilot for cargo. Um, yeah. But the weight and balance of that plane is so hideous, like it was so difficult because you had to multiply. So every single I'm not going to give you aerodynamics right now or anything, but Appreciate every single that. section <laughs> is is a specific uh, moment difference in momentum and stuff. And so okay. it was a calculation, and, and every single other plane would have, like, a graphic that you would just do a simple calculation in graphics. This one, no. You had to literally multiply 14 times, and it had so many, so much Jeez. opportunity for error. And so yeah. I discovered that Pocket PCs had Excel. Ah, And so okay. I, I created a template. I It was a, a template that you could modify. And I was like, oh, so if I get pocket PCs for my team and I get this formula. And so I remember that we reduced the process of dispatching this plane from it took between, you know, 20 to 30 minutes because of all the complexities and all the verifications that we had to do. That went from 30 to three minutes. Nice. Uh, And so I was able to we were able to amplify the amount of load that we could do at a time. And that's what I used to specialize on, how to reduce workload and make processes easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I started with pocket PCs. And then obviously when I, yeah, I started going into pocket now and, uh, back then there was, uh, shoot, like pocket PC thoughts, uh, bright hand, like those were the websites back then. If you wanted to download Jeez. apps, you had to go to Handango. Uh, wow. okay. I don't know if you, I remember, I don't know if you remember that. 
before my time. Yeah. What? So. Come on. I thought. I yeah. thought. What's your handle? Remind me. Dead technology, baby. Come on, dude. You got to own it. You really well, no, got to own it. Oh, oh, sure. But I, I just wasn't there. So, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I didn't get started in this industry until like 2009. I was very late to the party. No way. No oh, way. Oh yeah. No, for me, for me, after after doing that, and so I remember that I bricked one at some point. Uh, I tried mm-hmm. to I tried to load a different ROM and it didn't work, and so I ended up landing in this forum called Pocket Now. Okay. And you know, I met a couple of people, which I actually still follow on Twitter, and they helped me, but I couldn't fix the damn thing. But then I was like, this community's nice. Like we have interest together and yeah. you have to remember how niche it was back then if you owned a pocket pc that's because you needed a you needed your calendar and it, like you had to be like really business-like for you to be or an excel spreadsheet any. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly and so for me it was ideal but like i remember that's how i started and then at some point brandon who was just the 23 year old kid back then was like you know i'm looking for writers um anybody there's no pay at the time. Right. There's right. no pay, but you get to keep whatever gadgets you review. And I'm like, I can That's, totally that do Sounds that. a lot like Pocket now. Okay. <laughs> that that back back in the day I was like, that is that is enticing. Oh, a lot of things have changed, my brother. But uh but uh at the time that's the way it was. And so for me it was like, shoot, I get free stuff. Like I'm down. Like you have to remember back then an application would cost thirty bucks. Forty dollars oh, yeah. if you wanted an oh, yeah. app. Like even a file explorer would cost twenty bucks. Yeah. Well, that that was back in the days when developers were appreciated, damn it. <laughs> well, I, there was just a lot less volume. The iPhone came to change that. It came yeah. to change that dramatically. It came to democratize the process and really came to kill the middleman, which literally was what... Yeah, It's funny how there's so much legal debate over Apple keeping a 30% cut. What, what people don't remember is how much of a cut Best Buy and other retailers would grab, like CompUSA would grab from developers at the time. It was like a 60% cut. And so yeah. obviously for developers to join the App Store... A 30% cut was literally half what they were paying. Of course they flocked the App Store. They didn't have to worry about physical distribution. Everything was literally just Apple keeps the store running and they get a cut. I mean, that's the reason why I've never been against it because I remember how it used to be. Well, sure. Well, and yeah, I mean, I'm... Uh, so I, I I I don't know if we want to get into this uh, particular debate. I, I've always been very respectful of you know intellectual property and developers um, developers' rights and whatnot. But I mean, I have to think you know when you think about like how much less work you have to do when you put your app into an app store rather than you know building your own website, doing your own marketing, you know, coming up with a installation template for an ecosystem. Like not, not only that, piracy. You're doing a lot of work for you. Oh, and piracy. You yeah. remember, like, dude, I, come on, we all did it. We all pirated apps. We all pirated music. We all did it. Oh, sure. And yeah. so, if anything, you know, people complain about the closed ecosystem that Apple creates, but, dude, is this not a guarantee to developers that their money and their investment is not being wasted in piracy? There sure. is literally no potential for it. And so I think that Apple does justice to, like, I remember I remember at some point, um, I have a really good friend who's a singer. And uh, I was like, hey, dude, yeah, don't, you know, don't buy that CD. I've got it. I could burn it for you. And I remember his wife, she said it in a very condescending way, but... 
I didn't take it in a bad way. She's like, I'm, she's like, I'm sorry, we we don't support piracy. Um, and she right. and she did it in a way that made me like treating me like, but the, the tone and the way she did it was like, how dare you, you know? Right. And 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 I was like, I at first I was like, huh, but then I, I I thought about it and I'm like, well, I make YouTube videos, like how would I feel if people would pirate my video and and it yeah. happens, you know? And, oh, and sure. this is a lot of hard work. And so I remember that ever since then she she schooled me on something, man. Ever since then I supported no form of piracy whatsoever i i I am cheap like if unless a movie's on sale i won't buy it (laughs) i I go to the theater in the morning (laughs) right oh yeah sure sure absolutely and yeah definitely do whatever you can to you know to get your entertainment as low a cost as possible i bought three years of disney plus just so i could get it for as cheap as possible three years dude how did you do that i would totally do it it was three years. It was like 150 bucks or something like no that. No way. That's that's yeah. a steal. That's so good. It, when it first came out, that was that was one of the deals that was going on. Whoa! So. I didn't catch that one. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, I got HBO Max for six months because they had a deal, and I wanted to watch Wonder Woman. As it turns out, that was a bad decision. But I am watching <laughs> The West Wing, which is an amazing show, and I can't pimp that show enough. Have, well, the, have you ever the watched Mandalorian? No, no. I, I I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. I it's funny. I don't watch TV. Like okay, all right. I and and the reason why it's funny during this pandemic obviously i spent 8 months with my son in honduras and so right. he started watching things series like suits and other and others and and it's funny when he was like uh, you know i was probably working on something and then he was playing the series and then i would look back and and start just get, you know glancing at what he was watching and then mm-hmm. i would get stuck and then i was like okay see this is the reason why I don't watch TV. It's not because I don't like it. It's because I like a, a good story so much that then I don't work. Oh, right. Oh, and right. Then, and then I could binge watch the damn thing completely. Like, mm. dude, I binge watch Cobra Kai. Like, I, And so I'm like, I am so bad. I am so easily distraught that I cannot watch television. So do, not, like rec- to... do not recommend me anything. Okay, well, I would like to extend the congratulations to Cobra Kai because for the first time in three seasons, the last episode of the season did not take a complete left turn that made me, like, hate the entire season. I have so. not watched season three yet, so don't spoil okay. it. I'm not going to spoil anything, but, like, it was just like, okay, so season one, all right, you know, Miguel is, you know, the central, you know, protagonist. Yeah. He spends the entire season, like, being cool and, like, you know, teaching yeah. Johnny about how he's an idiot. And, like, you get you get to the last episode, and he goes, like, full psychopath. And we're just like, I'm going to kill him. I will rip his head off. I'm like, where did that come from? And and then, like, season two came up, and everyone's cool again. And, like, you know, they get up to the end, and they're just, like, there's, like, this huge, like, massive bo- mob fight in the middle of a high school. I'm like... What the hell, guys? So it's like Dude, those left turns, like we're but, like, woo. All right, but you and I, you and I are Generation X. I just, yeah, I find, I, so I think that Cobra Kai tailors, uh, on, you know, discusses a couple of realities, particularly with how different this generation is to ours. Um, and and obviously Johnny Lawrence is like the mockery in between the outsider who literally oh, yeah. went to Mars after 1988. And then came back a full alien, thinking that everything was still 1988. And so, yeah. I love how they build a character and how well he plays it. I'm like, 
if any, if I love any actor in that series, it is literally Johnny Lawrence. Oh yeah, because oh, totally. of how like it's funny how you know whenever he's giving them instruction, like I could hear the tone of insecurity in him in him as he's raising his voice to the kids, and I'm like, man, he, this guy is so good. Like he is so good. Like somebody that's got stage fright. And doesn't know exactly how to portray emotions or to say the right things. Um, yeah. I love his acting because that's exactly what it is. This is a, 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 a misfit who's never been in charge of anything. And then out of the blue needs to do it to survive. But then he's mm-hmm. still an 80s kid. And so he, you know, I love it. Like, I'm like, you know, we were watching it with my son and I'm like, see, this is the difference. In my day, there was no such thing as bullying. Not that I'm endorsing it or anything. But you had to learn to be tough. Like, that was just the way it was. You know, we didn't... Bullies have always existed. We we just didn't vilify it. We didn't vilify the topic. and, And you just acted up and, and that made you at the time it made you stronger i you know obviously i'm not saying it's a good thing and we've seen terrible consequences out of it so if anything i love that my son in his generation is more of a, a kid like i yeah. felt that we were forced into adulthood because of that mentality yeah i can see that yeah but that. but that's the thing like i love how they portray the contrast between our youth and the new youth yeah oh they're very very much so very much so uh, okay, so as much as I'd love to spend the next 20 minutes talking about Cobra Kai... We need to do an episode on Cobra Kai, my friend. Well, maybe we can. Maybe we can. So uh, well, so let's just get into some nerdy tech stuff, because we can. What phone are you, what are you, phone are you rocking these days? Ooh, all right. So, obviously, S21 Ultra. Okay, yeah. Same. I don't, I don't know where mine is, but it's around. <laughs> but then my favorite, Z Fold 2. Okay, all right. But then, you know, my daily driver has always been an iPhone. And the main reason, okay. it still is my backup microphone. It's still, I don't know. No, so I, many I things. It. So many so things. So I'm, I'm nearing the end. So I, I've adopted the John Rettinger philosophy of, of iOS, which is to say six months on, six months off. So because when I went to, when I went to review the iPhone 12 Pro... I I found that I did not know iOS nearly as well as I needed to in order to give it a proper review, which is why I brought Rhett, Mr. Rettinger onto the show nice. to kind of walk me through it. So, um, but yeah, he's been doing kind of like a six month Android, six month iOS thing, and I'm like, that's that's a really solid that's a smart idea. Way to do it. Yeah, I actually so, carry I carry two phones. So well, sure, sure, I will too. And actually, when that six months elapses, I probably will keep the iPhone Pro as the second as the second phone, with the Ultra as the first phone, or or whatever phone I happen to be reviewing at the time. But um, I, I imagine the Ultra will probably be resting in my pocket for quite some. What, what time. do you think about that Ultra, man? Oh, I am having so much fun with the camera. I mean, it's just like, and okay, so I'm a parent. And so, like, I do not ne- put nearly as much stock into the ultra-wide category as a lot of folks do because I have kids that, once upon a time, used to perform on stage. They don't do that anymore, but they they will start again shortly. And actually, my, my, my daughter has her one and only gymnastics meet for this season coming up this coming weekend. Nice. And um, But only one parent is allowed to go, Aww. so my wife will be taking the ultra to take pictures with it. Nice. So, because like I have been having some fun with that 10x zoom, 
uh, mm. with that 10x optical zoom. Although I noticed, I, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but sh photos from the 10x come out a lot darker than they do with the 3x oh, it's, zoom it's, or with the primary it's, You have to sensor. understand. It's, I'm it's sure a, it's the aperture. It's a, no, it's but, a different focal length. Uh, so it's a different oh. focal length max match with a different aperture. Um, mm -hmm. Like oh, if, sure. if you wanted a lower aperture on such a large focal length, you need a lens the size of Texas. Right. Uh, so literally, if I showed you my f one point four for my Panasonic, it's it's big compared to everything else. You just need more glass. That's physics. That's just the way it is. Okay. Um, and so you know it, that's just it's par for the course. It'll yeah. all like I I feel that Apple's approach to providing you the same exposure and the same what you know the same experience i actually don't want that i actually okay. want that lower darker approach to steep to street photography and so mm. i appreciate the toned down 3x and the toned down 10x it gives it more of like a i don't know it gives it more of like a film grain uh, okay. That I appreciate, and so actually, for me, I you know, for me, the iPhone is the video camera, like the backup video camera that I that I need. It's always with me because if I need a, a shot on the go, I'm not going to complicate myself and pulling the camera out and attaching the monopod and then the microphone. Then the, dude, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. grab the iPhone, run 4K at 60, then I slow it down and it comes up, <sighs> amazing. Mm. But then when it comes to photography. I always carried a P40 Pro Plus from Huawei. Sure, okay. And so what other phone is a P40 Pro Plus? That Galaxy S21 Ultra. It's Yeah, I was going to say that's going to be the and, color but, the color but science now is with 100% more Google. Yes. So <laughs> it's it's not the same um color science. Mm -hmm. I am a huge Leica fan, and particularly after I went to their factory a couple of years ago, I have mm. I, like I am even more of a fan of Leica. Um, and so I love, so one of the things that I, one of the reasons why I stick to Panasonic cameras so much is because you can take me to the worst room, you can take me to like the worst lit room, and Panasonic will record the video in, in this sort of film grain in such a way that it's no, nothing is ever overdone, and it's so subtle, like you shouldn't even trust the viewfinder, just record. And then when you see the end result, you'll see how toned down the video is in such a way that it's still usable. Like I've mm. been to like the worst briefing rooms and my GH5 just will do perfectly fine. Nice. And so that's why I liked Huawei so much. And so even if we don't have that color science on the Ultra, honestly, it's pleasing enough that I mm -hmm. still enjoy it. And so long as the detail's there, fine. I guess yeah. the only thing that pisses me off is and, and this is for every camera manu manufacturer. It's like, listen, if you're going to tell me that the telephoto works at night, make the damn thing work at night. Don't give me, allow me to figure out ways to fix the lighting on my own or yeah. give me the option instead of giving me a bad digital crop of the primary sensor, which is what every single company does. Right. Apple does it, you know, and I, you know, I get it. Nobody's going to be using a telephoto at night, but there are certain cases where I want to get a long shot. There's enough light and I really don't want to be dealing with the terrible, crappy digital cutout. I, I feel the companies still have to figure out pixel binning. 
I love the fact that Apple still hasn't adopted the concept of pixel binning. They refuse to do it. They would rather do the larger sensor with the larger pixels, but not bin because I, I right. still have not found one company that does pixel binning as well as Huawei. Okay. Okay, and Huawei does the... Um the RYYB sensor as yeah. well, which which helps with lower light exposure as well. Yes. So yeah, um, you just can't do anything with the with the photo once you take it, except exactly. for move it off to your you know to. Well, it's like um, like uh, my you know my my co producer Cliff uh, picked up a, a Lumia ten twenty just because he could. Like, dude, he, he, tell me where yeah, he got right? it, man. Oh my god, uh, you'll have to ask him. It's a trade secret, but um, but dude. like he was he was telling me about like how there's you know there's no app store anymore. There's no nothing. So it's there's like. Nothing. You take photos with it, and the best you can do is just drag. You know, it, it sets up as a separate drive on your computer, so you can drag and drop it over into like a file mm-hmm. manager, and then upload it from there. But, um, but yeah, so he got he was uh, on the last um, Doubting Thomas, which is going public in uh, next early next week. Um, he was showing off the uh, 1020 that he just picked up. So, dude, you'll have to you, ask him where he got it from. And you have to consider, like, one of my favorite cameras of all time continues to be the Lumia 930 continues okay. to be the yeah, Lumia 930. Yeah, yeah. And you have to remember, and, and for me, it was one thing that no company has done right now, Rich Capture. Why? Why not bring it back? You remember what it was? I do not. Okay, do so not. Rich Capture would take three photos. It's like HDR, but better. Okay. No company has implemented it, where one photo was with a flash, the other was without, and then one had more of a subtle tone of flash. And so then you had a slider at the bottom, and you could pick if you wanted the flash or not. Dude, oh, yeah. This was okay. such a genius way to save photos. You would take one shot, you would see the flash. It was just one photo. But you mm-hmm. you eventually had three photos to pick. But you didn't. you weren't exposed to the three photos. You literally just played with the flash like a slider. Yeah, like, it, it, dude, the Pixel doesn't I do it. The that. iPhone doesn't do it. Like, well, come on, somebody bring it back. That was the coolest feature. Yeah, well, yeah, and and I, I you're right. Now, I, now that you mention that, I do, I do remember vaguely, um, you know, playing with the slider and you know being able to adjust that. But I couldn't remember what it was called. But okay, it, yeah, it was yeah. it was literally in that CES where you and I, were, you know. <laughs> I rem- I don't remember. But <laughs> you don't remember. Um, but if you rem- but if you know, going back to the topic, where did all it, these engineers leave after Nokia? Dude, they, they went, went to, to Huawei. Huawei. They yep. went to Huawei, dude. And so I, you know, props where props are due. There are a lot of things that I don't like about Huawei phones, but their cameras, dude. Oh my god! Like it was worth carrying that thing around. It was just worth. I still have it. I still love it. I I'm sorry. You know, I I'm, I I still feel every company needs to literally hire those people. Like, come on, bring that genius over here because they they did understand what consumers want. Like, you want a portrait photo. You don't just want a portrait photo. You want a portrait photo that looks professional. Right. And so the software would do that. Like the software would provide that sort of like film grade noir. It would it would look, you know, that darker tone that would make it that would make it stand out like skin tone, everything. It's just that like it just looked professional. Like I have pictures of the Louvre in Paris taken with the P30 Pro. Um, Dude, like if I told you where I was standing, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you you would not believe. And so the most beautiful thing about the photo is not the distance. Like, 
100 exhum or 30 exhum or 10 exhum are useless. What you care about is the result. And if right. I show you those photos at 5x optical, they look like a postcard. Mm-hmm. Like I like they look like a damn postcard. And that is what consumers want. Consumers oh. want to replicate that. Oh, uh, and, and with the ultra, like I've gotten to a point where if I'm, you know, downtown or if I'm, you know, in some situation where there's something far away, I'll go to 30x without even batting an eyelash oh, yeah. because cause I know those results are going to be maybe not great, but they're going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. So, so Dude, uh, and- yeah. Here's the thing. I, my first camera video was from the P20 Pro in, in Paris. I'm sorry, in Paris, in Rome. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I was carrying a Panasonic G85 at the time. Never took it out of the damn bag. <laughs> never, I, actually have, never. I actually have a G85 right here. But <laughs> Dude, the G85 is such a beautiful camera. So nimble, so easy to carry, great color science. Yeah. Uh, you just need a good lens for it. Like If you get the 12 to 35, that's, that's more than enough. Yeah, I think I've just got the kit lens with it. So yeah, I, I, you know, I bought it off of Nirav actually, right before right before he came over by you guys. No way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay, but if you if you um, actually like some of my best videos were done with the kit lens. You just need good light. That's oh it. yeah. Well, like, I mean, that's the key to that's the key to any photography. But no, but but like um, again, that Panasonic color, man. I like right now. I really want to get that A7S III from Sony just because of what it can do. But then that Panasonic S5 is just like, oh, God. I hate your autofocus, but everything else about you is better. Have you done anything with the Xperia Pro? I did. I do. Like, for, Sony, Sony's contacts are the worst. Like, Really? I, they, I have good relationships so, with them. So they reached out to me years, like a year ago. And they're like, no, we took over and whatever you need for both Alpha. And I'm like, oh, dude, let's talk Alpha. Like, I, I really mm-hmm. would not mind going back to Sony cameras. Yeah. Um, dude, never responded again. And I'm like, all right, hmm. whatever. Like, honestly, I'm so busy. And, and that Xperia Pro, I'm like, I understand the reason for the product. Sure. You, you just have to understand you're not going to sell any. Well, I don't know about that. They're not going to sell millions of them for sure. But I, I mean, honestly, my my whole take on the Xperia Pro is this is the first camera phone ever, ever. This is the first smartphone ever that has carried a Pro moniker that actually earns the Pro moniker. Ah, not going to agree. Because because it's for it's for it's literally for professionals. Yes, it is, but it's for a very niche usage scenario. And so here's the thing: it's a pro monitor, sure. Mm-hmm. But in, uh, instead, I would have rather they given me a cheaper pro monitor. I would have rather they give it. So th- here's the biggest so, problem. So basically, your beef is kind of with the five G aspect of it. No, or? my my beef is literally Android, dude. Like, okay. watch, dude, watch <laughs> Michael Fisher's video. How many times did that thing crash on him? And so, yeah. if you're gonna tout the word pro in your product, you better make sure that damn thing works every single time. And yeah, if there that's is, a fair point. And and if there is one thing that's still 
pisses me off about Android is the inconsistency and and reliability. It's like if the app wasn't really even made, like it's like if they rushed it. And so we we Mm. rushed it for bragging rights and we included an HDMI connector here. And so that's the reason I'm like, listen, charge me the $2,500 and just make that thing a monitor because a really good monitor will cost that, if not more. Sure. And, so, and, and so I'm like, but don't make it a phone. Like if I get a phone call and then that breaks up my connection, but then I can't put it to airplane mode because I'm supposed to be broadcasting. Like it just creates an added layer of complexity that a professional doesn't really need. Mm, okay. Well, yeah, but okay. I see what, I see where you're going with that. But at the same time, I think their their goal was to sell it as a smartphone that can also be this which you know maybe that's not a need i don't know um but i know i i i don't think i will even bother asking for a review device on that because i wouldn't i wouldn't get anything out of it uh, to be honest with you yeah dude like i fisher was like you want me to connect you to that and i'm like Honestly, there is no way this is going to be a good review. And so I, you know, I applaud the intent. Mm-hmm. I will definitely look forward version two. Mm-hmm. I would totally look forward version two. I'm sure that that's going to be a much better product. But I, I think that Sony needs to understand that, like, we have very different priorities as professionals. Um, there's a there's a reason why I, I rarely vlog with my phone. I can, and I can get some good video. But it's still not a camera camera. And and I really wanted to I really want some of the effects of a camera, even if there's an added layer of complexity. I'm okay. using a dedicated product that's designed for it. Yeah, no, that's that's legit. Um so like I've my review of the Sony uh um Xperia 5 Mark II is coming out this week. And, you know, one of the big things about, you know, Sony phones is, you know, all the manual controls that you can get into and you can you know, they've got a whole separate pro camera app and a whole separate video you know pro video app Mm -hmm. and like my whole thing is so like i know what oregano tastes like and i know what Mm -hmm. salt tastes like and i know what you know uh majorum tastes like i know what all those things taste like but i couldn't tell you how to put all those things together to make a really good dish okay (laughs) so like and and for me like a pro camera like a DSLR, mm-hmm. like I can, I can get by. Like I, enough to be dangerous, I believe is the is the term that my dad would have used to. Uh, like I know enough about about the camera to be dangerous, but I don't know enough about a pro camera to do a good review for the Sony. I'll make it very easy for you. I want you to tell me if that pro camera. There's a reason, and I, I always get complaints in videos where they're like, "But why don't you review the pro camera features for video?" And I'm like, "Cause it's not." And okay. I, I need one thing, just okay. one thing that is not available in any camera, and it's called shutter speed control. If you want to do adequate 4K at 60, 4K at 120, if your camera does not give me a shutter speed selector to avoid framing during the video, it's not a pro. Said I, I don't care if you give me ISO controls and you mean if, like that like that shutter speed I can't see it oh, okay so yeah I, yeah they they if this it pro, if this it pro has a, if it has a shutter speed setting then now we can talk it would yeah. be the only camera that has that yeah it, well it's 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 not even the it's the Cinema Pro app that they included yeah. on the phone. 
Um, you know, so that's not in your normal pro mode. This yeah. is like a whole separate deal. And the thing is, like, once you set up a project and you hit record, you can't you can't change any other settings until you set up a whole new project. I don't I don't understand why that is, but that's well, that's dude. The case. I mean, you can't really ask it to be perfect again. It's not a no, camera. no, no. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, and, but and, all right. Know, so, and, and there's a reason why even if Android was designed as a camera operating system, because that's what it was originally for. There's right. a reason why cameras don't use it. That's true. That is very true. So we are getting up towards the end of this of, of this premiere episode of Beyond a Doubt, and I want to thank you, Mr. Rivera, for coming on and being the first guest. It's only appropriate. I kicked off the podcast with Michael Fisher, and I'm kicking off this series with you. And if I start up a new series, we're going to have to bring Stephen Shank out of retirement because that's the only way that's going to I think we should make a joint meeting. A joint meeting between... Yeah. Between us and Stephen Shank, or well, or everyone, Fisher, everyone? Stephen Shank, like Joe on. Levi, dude, we we always have some pretty good conversations, man. Let's let's get the band back together. I'm Sounds down. Good. I'm All down. Right. I'm All down. Right. Well, I just, well, maybe I'll, I will. I, I just apologize <laughs> that it took me so long, dude. It's just it's been crazy. Like oh uh, no no, it's it's all good. It's this all pandemic good. has been has been insane, man. I hope your family's safe. Sadly, I lost a good friend this morning. Oh, um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Actually, this conversation, it, like, I, it, I, if I, if I was looking forward to a conversation, it was this one to just, you know, chill and and get my mind off of it. You're such a good friend, and well, for me, it's always a good time to high to, five right there, buddy. <laughs> uh, this way, other side. Right. There you go. There you go. High five. Boom. No, no, so, no. It's 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 always a treat to talk to you, buddy. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Family's good. Uh, my wife might actually be getting her first uh, vaccine shot sometime in the next yes. couple of days. Yes, that so, is good news, man. Well, she's a diabetic teacher, so that that definitely knocked her up the list. Good. So, not that so, I'm happy about her being a diabetic teacher, but right, right, yeah, we're not really fond of either of those either. But, but anyway, it gets her a shot faster, so that's good. So anyway, um. Mr. Rivera, why don't you let us know where we can find you, as if we don't already know because, you know, you're Jaime Rivera. But where can we find you these days if we, no, when we want to Mostly on Instagram, at and... Jaime Rivera, just like that. I, I've, had a, I have, I've had some issues with social media lately, um, particularly after the elections and all the politics mm. and just the manipulation of the system that I'm like, man, social media has really let me down. So I, you know, I'm, I'm there, but very sporadically, you know, that I put mute on a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> and it's literally just for my sanity, dude. You know, obviously, I understand. Obviously, you, you get to see a lot of the negative things that are happening. And then, you know, when you get to be a part of the negative story of people that have lost, um, you kind of don't want to deal with the ineptitude of everything that was going on. <laughs> There's a reason they call it doom scrolling. I completely understand, but um, <laughs> it's been it's been it's been a year. <laughs> let's just let's just leave it at that. It has been a year. Well, Mr. Rivera, thank you so much for joining us here on Beyond a Doubt. This is our premiere episode, and you know, future episodes might be just like this. They might be something completely different. I have no idea. That's why it's a new <laughs> show. And uh, but anyway, so if you could, uh, if you would be so kind. Follow Jaime Rivera on Instagram. His Instagram feed is beautiful. And and if you like this video, give it a thumbs up. You know what to do if you like all the stuff and you subscribe all the stuff. I'm not going to tell you what to do because you love it. So I'm going to just thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And thank you for giving us the benefit of the doubt.